What's up, everyone? Welcome to Around the ACL. It's me, Michelle Thompson. I'm here with Anthony Ione and Trey Ryder for another episode. And we are coming off open number nine in Cedar Falls, Iowa this past weekend. And we had a lot of exciting cornhole. And I got to actually sit down and watch a lot this weekend when it was live. Uh, how about you, Trey? Did you get to watch some good cornhole this weekend? I did. I did. I, I'll have a busy summer and even a busy spring. So like I sat at my house this weekend and did a whole lot of nothing. So one of those things was watching cornhole. So I got to, I got to tune in a good bit. So it was a good weekend. Nice. Anthony, how about you? Or were you still in basketball zone over there? Oh yeah. That's every weekend. Uh, it's in the mix, but I got a dose. I got a dose of, uh, of cornhole ready to talk about it. Let's go. I know it was so good. I mean, to me, the biggest standout was definitely Emily Downer, not just because she's a female and we're girls throw too, but just any gender. She just stood out. It doesn't even matter. Yeah. She was phenomenal. And I never even heard her name before. So Jimmy humans, you knew something we all didn't there for sure, but let's go ahead and start with level one singles. And we'll get to that doubles match in a little bit here. And first we had Mark Richards, then second Jimmy humans and third Jordan power, uh, Trey, what are your thoughts on the singles action that happened? Yeah, singles action, I think it wasn't a big surprise, you know, that Mark Richards ends up winning. Um, maybe yeah. how we got there was maybe a little bit surprising. I mean, uh, Mark Richards goes down in the winner's bracket. Jaden Ellis takes him down, a non-pro player. I think that was maybe a surprise. But to see him come all the way back through and win the whole thing, not a huge shock there. When you talk about Jimmy Humans versus Jordan Power, again – if you told me Jimmy Eumann's Jordan Power were going to be two versus three, I wouldn't necessarily wouldn't have been surprised. I thought one of the biggest things for me was one of the brackets, Jimmy Eumann's bracket in particular, fell so far behind. Yeah. He sat for almost three hours waiting wow. to play after he had won the king seat. And so when that happens, the first reaction most people have is he's going to come out cold. You know, it, you know, Jordan Power may go up 10 nothing on this guy before humans is able to get back to it. That wasn't the case. Humans wow. continued to ride how hot he was throughout that entire uh, finals event. So, so ultimately the, the, the top three players, Really not a huge shock to me whatsoever. Three players that have had great 2022s. Richards, obviously, winning a bracket in Las Vegas at a pro national at the kickoff battle. He also won an open event. So he becomes the second player uh, on the season, joining Alex Hicks as the only player to win two open events. Jordan Power, obviously, having a, a string of a long, deep finishes there. Jimmy Humans has another breakout performance. So um, not a huge surprise if you looked at the standings, but maybe how we got there a little bit different. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, those names didn't were not shockers. Anthony, what, what would you like to add there in the singles section? Yeah, Trey, you kind of glazed over Jaden Ellis like you knew knew him. To me, it was like, who the hell is Jaden Ellis? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> this kid comes out. He back-to-back, -back, the kid knocks down Philip Lopez. Then he gets Mark Richards, who ends up winning it. And then he takes Windsor to a 21-17 match for the king seat. So for me, it was like, who is he? Have you seen this kid before at all? No, I hadn't. Uh, I hadn't. I hadn't seen him at all. But I, it's also worth mentioning the game that he beat Mark Richards. He was down sixteen to five to start the mm -hmm. game. So I don't know in that situation if Richards just kind of turned on autopilot and said, "All right, here we go, next game." Yeah. And kind of Ellis, 
know, I don't know what the mental game was. I did watch it, and it didn't feel like Richards did a whole lot different. But ultimately, yeah, it was a huge comeback even in that game where he beat Richards. It was a yeah, shocking talk- comeback. Yeah. <laughs> We talked last week about uh, this open offering the chance for Ryan Windsor and Mark Richards to break that one-to-one tie after the top dog event. So it ended up happening in the bracket final. Mark Richards gets the two scoops to win that head-to-head. You know, I've been been sticking with Windsor the whole season, Um, you know, even through a couple less than outstanding finishes. I'm really relying on his, you know, he's got this just consistent play really to back up my call. I think he had a solid showing this weekend. I mean, he did take that king seat, ultimately losing to a hot Richards. His stats looked really good. I think he's primed uh, going into the Nationals. Uh, you already mentioned Jimmy Humans. Uh, I mean, Jimmy Humans is a shooter. Uh, yeah. bottom, <laughs> bottom line, Jimmy Humans balled out this weekend. I mean, and for me, it was long overdue. The kid can flat out play the game and at the highest level. PPR does not matter to Jimmy Eumann's style of play. But regardless, his numbers were really high for how dirty he plays the game, and he led the entire field in DPR by a large margin. Jimmy Eumann's is coming into Nationals number two on a heater. This could be his best Nationals yet in his career, I think. But you already went through Mark Richards. I mean, what else can we say about this guy, Trey? I mean, he earned his spot in both of our top 10 power rankings. He's getting hot takes like, He'll sweep opens. He'll win nationals brackets in singles and doubles. He's in rookie of the year conversations. You mentioned he's now one of two with uh, with open singles wins. I mean, it's just crazy. And how he took down that two scoops with Windsor, I'm not sure if you saw the end of that game, but in game one, he hits back-to-back airmails. He shoots over a level three or a level two block, hits it, comes right behind it to hit another airmail to knock down game one. In game two, he hits a drag bag airmail to finish off Windsor to take that bracket. Rolls through Jordan Power, like you said. I liked how Jimmy Humans made him work, though. I mean, he yeah. was not getting any easy points. What I liked about it, too, for, for uh, Richards was he showed that he's got more of a game than just an open hole slide shot. I mean, he was able to, he had to work, but he was able to score with how good Humans was playing. Mish. Mark Richards, I think, is here to stay and showing a level of consistency of play that's long-term. This isn't a short-lived thing. I think he's going to make noise all season. And one one other thing I want to mention about Richards is the play style is actually pretty unique. And to me, after watching him for a full tournament on the live feed, I, I, I think he's a combination of two different players because there are two unique shots that he does that are very similar, that, that are unique in themselves. The first is Cheyenne Renner. The reason he's similar to Cheyenne Renner is, one, he's a bag-for-bag player, but there's a lot of players like that. But but more importantly, his first instinct on a level one, maybe level one-and-a-half block is a lot of times to go through or around a bag. He's very he's conservative in the fact that he's not going to pull the trigger on a quick airmail. He likes the ability to go around bags. He has a beautiful cut bag and will go through blocks to clear up the board. He thinks that he genuinely has a better open board style game than anybody. And so because of that, like Cheyenne Renner, he wants to keep the board clean. Now, Another place where he's a little bit interesting and another player that he has a similar similarity to is Doug Zaft. And the reason for that is because he has a unique shot that a lot of players don't do. 
And if that is there, um, if there is a mess around the center of the board, sometimes what players will do is, or what Doug Zaft will like to do is, he throws the bag higher and deeper up the board. And what he hopes to do is, as that bag comes down, it has a slower uh, lateral trajectory, I should say, right? Yeah. Meaning it's not going to slide very much, which means naturally the spin of the bag is going to grip the board more once it hits. What does that all mean? I'm kind of talking mumbo jumbo right now, but essentially what Mark Richards will do is on his cut bags, sometimes he won't throw a cut bag that's super angled and hoping that it'll bounce as soon as it hits. What he does is he actually throws a higher cut bag that he hopes will land further up the board. And as soon as it hits, because it's coming more down than it is flat, it'll actually grip that board and cause a rotation actually to the left, because he's a left-hander, to kind of sneak in that yeah. way. And I've seen him do, do that a couple times. He'll throw the bag deeper. It almost looks like he's trying an airmail, but at the last second it hits right in front of the hole and cuts left. And people are like, it's almost like he threw a cut bag, but his bag wasn't angled. And that's a very unique shot. Doug Zapp throws something similar. His push shots and a lot of his bags would mess around the hole. He'll throw deeper up the board and closer to the hole. So very unique play style from Mark Richards, but ultimately it's, it's, it's working when he, when he goes to these events. I love it. Absolutely. All right. Going into doubles, we had Jimmy humans and Emily Downer take first. Mark Richards and Philip Lopez take second and Jeremy Shermerhorn and Derek Singleton take third. As I mentioned, the big star for me was Emily Downer. I was watching her and I was like, who is this girl? Like, where is she? Where has she been hiding? <laughs> yeah. Why have we not seen her? Um, I want to know everything about her. So uh, she'll definitely be coming on Girl Store too, so we can all meet her. But what are your thoughts on doubles, Trey? Double, yeah. The, the show is 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 Emily Downer and Jimmy Newman's. Obviously, uh, the the big thing that I find interesting is I think this should be yet another confidence booster. A lot of people are going to talk about Downer, and they should. Let's let's give all the praise there. But Jimmy Newman should be commended with how strong of a partner he was throughout the entire tournament. Emily Downer was timely, okay, but she wasn't as deadly on the off the live stream court as she was. She was one of those players that came to play when the lights were the brightest. Off of the court, if you add in uh, if you take into account her total PPR across the entire doubles event, it was an 8.66. Now, don't get me wrong, nothing wrong with an 8.66, especially when you throw a dirty style game like she does, but when you're talking about competing against the best in the world, even if you throw that dirty style game like we've seen with Harbaugh and Smith and all these top pros, they're still throwing a high 9-5 and above. I mean, yeah. even when they're throwing a super dirty style game. So she had multiple games where her PPR was in the 7 range. Okay, Sometimes that can be really shaky, but Jimmy Humans yeah. was strong enough and could carry that team through those games so when it mattered most in the in the biggest game of her career, I mean, I think it's safe to say that in, in the first game of the double dip in the final, she throws above a 10.5 PPR. So she ceilings at the right time when it matters most. And that when you're talking about when you talk about being able to a player that's an underdog, being able to win an event like that, that's what you need. Okay. The close games when you're not throwing at your best, figure out a way to win. 
But those games, when you need it the most, that's when you ceiling and you get the victory. So I love the team chemistry between humans and, and downer. Humans did enough to get them there. And then when she needed to shine the most, she did. So uh, a big shout out to those two. I bet Anthony will talk a little bit about Shermerhorn and Singleton. My coin, I'm calling their team coin flip. That's that's my new nickname for them. Their team coin flip. So, <laughs> so so this week they got heads. So which means they did really well. So uh, we'll see what team coin flip does at the second national event. See if they get another heads or they get a tails and they go they go one and two. So those are the two in, most interesting teams uh, for me to watch this weekend. Um, I think Richards and Lopez could have easily won that event. Lopez was a little off, I think, especially towards the end. I think they'll bounce back and be fine and, and have a good run in uh, Atlantic City. Yeah, I mean, it couldn't be easy to throw against Mark Richards for Emily Downer. Right? That yes. has to be. Like, if I'm walking up to boards, I'm like, oh, crap. <laughs> this is yeah. not going to be easy. <laughs> Anthony, what are your thoughts on doubles? Yeah, I'll start off with uh, Shermerhorn and Singleton, like you were saying. I mean, big props to these guys. If we go all the way back to January, they ended up where no pro wants to be, which is tier two doubles. And since then, they have flipped the switch. I mean, the dudes took out the powerhouse double teams. Birchfield and Powers, who were a late entry into the Open this weekend, they take them out in round two. They had a dominating win against Almanza and Morse deep into the elimination bracket. Their block game absolutely destroyed Morse and Almanza. They, they were constantly just left of the hole the whole game. I mean, the game wasn't even close. I think they maybe scored four or five points. But Shermerhorn all-around game is on point. And Singleton, his airmail was absolutely ludicrous this weekend. So with, with Singleton, that dude lives and dies by an airmail off of a block. Right now, he's living. So, I mean, they're kind of coming into this Nationals pretty hot. I'd be curious to see if they can repeat what they did. Um, for those Italian tournament wins between – the slick bag style players that are up the middle versus the dirty style rollback cuts. I mean, it's really been Alex Hicks, who's been the biggest contributor to the dirty style cause, but you nailed it. I mean, Jimmy Humans and Emily Downer now chipping in on that cause with that style game and a win at this national. I mean, Mark, a big tournament win for Team Dirty Bags. You kind of summed it up really well with Downer. I mean, it was the first time I had I'd seen her play. I did hit up Jimmy Humans right after seeing an early round. And I'm like, man, I was like, this girl is gangster. What is going on? And he said, and I'll quote, he said, she's nasty. She's got a big back. <laughs> and he said, uh, I told you she would carry me. And when a guy like Jimmy Humans, who's got max IQ in this game, says you have what it takes, I mean, it's fact. So if you dropped downer in the pro division right now, she's causing major headaches. For the top eight women in the league, I think she would be competitive right away. I mean, technique-wise, she's got perfect base mechanics from the waist down. She's got this elite-level cut-and-roll game. What I liked about her is she had a really nice airmail to go with it, and she didn't rely on that airbag or the uh, air, the roll bag um, you know, too much. Uh, but really got to talk about Jimmy Humans. You said a lot, all those good things. I mean, to me... I was really blown away by his push game. I think that he's top three in the league right now next to like an Eric Davis For and sure. a Jamie Graham. And what was crazy is he was doing it all with the stick side yeah. of his bag, all carpet. I was like, I was like beyond my understanding. He said he never flipped his bag over to slick side the entire finals. What is that? Like, that's just yeah. kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, slower boards too. I mean, yeah, that no time doubt. I think he would. You mentioned PPR, Trey, for a super muddy style player. He was third best in PPR at a 9.64. That just shows you 
how good he is at coming behind and cleaning up the board. His airmail, though, was the difference and ultimately the major contributor to that win in that finals. I mean, I wasn't keeping count, but he went on this crazy run of airmail at the end to win that thing. Yeah. I saw a Kaylee Hunter post. She said he hit eight in a row. That sounded about right. What I love the most about Jimmy Humans is he's capable of top 10 ranks and he's trending towards that, but he always seems to be right outside those top 10 to 15 discussions and he doesn't bitch about it. I mean, he's super positive. He just grinds. I mean, he'll have a bad showing. He'll come right back and have a player best showing. Mish, I'm super proud of humans, man. Congratulations to him. Stay hot. Keep grinding your way all the way to the top, my man. I'm a big humans fan. I agree. I, I totally agree. He's really stood out. We had the Pro-Am uh, Friday, and Jordan Power and Daniel Walker Jr. took first, second, Jimmy Humans and Jaden Dolmes, and then third, Ethan Walker and Miranda Coy. I was impressed by Ethan Walker. I saw him in a few other matches as well. Uh, I thought that that Pro-Am was really interesting, but Jordan Power, he got he got his first. You know, he's been yeah. doing a lot of seconds. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Jordan breaking through. Um, all right, we're going to transition into Morton Corner. Uh, he's got a, some fun stuff for us to talk about. So welcome, Mike, to the show. Hey, guys. How are you? Hey, Mike. What's up, Mike? So uh, are, are we ready for Atlantic City? I mean, we just got back from Vegas, I feel like. Been ready. We, yeah. around we left Vegas. And, and go to Little Las yeah. Vegas. I don't know. If that, <laughs> I, would, I don't think I would have been ready last week. I'm, I'm ready this week, though. I'm ready to go now. Nice, nice. So, so I'm pumped up. I'm especially looking at the at the uh, singles, and uh, I just wanted to to take a step back. And I think sometimes we completely dive in too much and overanalyze, um, but still look at some numbers instead of just going with pure feel. So I developed statistically something very, very rudimentary and simple that I think gives you a decent idea of who's throwing the best. Now, right now, I want to say that admittedly, the sample size is very, very small. We only have one pro event. And, and, and I do want to say, while I'm on that subject, I want, to, I want to sidetrack just a moment and say that I think it's really important when we're comparing statistics, that we're comparing apples to apples. So if you're comparing the stats of the pro players where they're playing in opens, versus where they're playing in pro events, I think things start to get a little discombobulated and a little confusing, and a little muddy. Um, you you want to keep stats. Like, for instance, when a minor league baseball player, or I'm, I'm sorry, a major league baseball player goes down to the minor leagues on a rehab stint for three weeks and they hit 385, those stats do not get factored into their professional stats at the major league level, okay? Yep. So... My point is you can go down to an open or regionals or conferences or whatever else you want to look at and, and have a great tournament. Your DPR can be phenomenal. It doesn't mean you're that great of a player on the national stage. Now, I know a lot of the times it, you know they're one and the same, but I think your, your pools are different, and it's important to note that. So that, all that being said, I'm only looking at pro stats from the national number one, and again, small sample size. As we get deeper into the season, we start to, to put more stats together. Things will start to make a little more sense, have a little more clarity and finality to them. So that's a long-winded way to say there's a caveat to these numbers I'm going to give you. 
So what I did very simply is take your PPR and multiply it by two and then add your DPR to it. And it gives you a, a number. So, and I do that because personally, I'm, I have been converted. I used to think DPR was, was simply had to be the most important stat. Um, the more I've looked at it, the more it's sort of a toss up, but I'm leaning more towards PPR as, as a primary indicator of how well you do. DPR can be influenced greatly over a single event, especially by playing two or three easier opponents in a row. Um, you, you can get a, a very high DPR artificially. It's hard so to get an artificially high PPR. So you're basically so, just saying, hey, I value PPR more. I'm going to give it a double multiplier and correct. then you add a one times on the DPR. Okay. Yeah. DPR still matters. Someone who throws a, you know, who, you know, someone's throwing a 9.9, .9, another player's throwing a 9.8, but one person's DPR is a 0.8 and the other one is a 0.3. You know, I would say that, you know, the, the first player is better, you know. PPR does does tend to matter a little bit more. I think I reversed those numbers from what I meant to, but um, you, you get the point. I think PPR matters a little bit more than DPR. DPR is super important, but when you want to take just step away and look at the numbers, um, I think it generally racks and stacks people pretty well. Um, you're going to find exceptions for sure, but when you do that, I'm going to give you the the, the top contenders statistically speaking, going into next week. Or, yeah, this week, actually. <laughs> Obviously, Matt Guy, all right? His combined total was 22.13, all right? He's the only player, when you come, when you do all that addition, um, he's the only one that exceeds 22. So, statistically, I would say he's the favorite. Next, you, you guys got to guess statistically who might be the next favorite? Just based on what I explained. Mark Richards. Yeah, I was going to say Richards. That was my guess. Okay. You, you're all really close. Mark Richards is third. Um, second place is Josh Holland. I was just yep. going to say yep. Holland. Yeah, because <laughs> he was, he was so good and he had a high DPR. Yeah. Yeah. Josh Holland. And then um, in fourth place, kind of unbelievably a little bit of a quiet voice. Um at this point, Jamie Graham. Yeah. So yeah, for sure, you know, he had a solid statistical performance, you know, and, and I've, I've pounded the drum about, you need breaks, you need this, you need that, you need timing um, in order to win a bracket. So he didn't win his bracket in, in Vegas. Oh man, you know, he must be struggling. No, he threw really well. So statistically those guys are at a 22.13 for Matt guy, 21.83 for Josh Holland. Mark Richards is a 21.73, and then Jamie Graham comes in at a 21.43. Now, right on their heels, and this one, this one might take people by surprise, but if you really think about it, it shouldn't. Um, at 21.43 was Jamie Graham. 21.41 is Mr. Cody Henderson. Had that bad draw out of the break, and, and yep. or, or, or right out of the gate in Vegas but turned around and just absolutely threw his tail off the entire weekend. Really? He did not throw bad early. He just had two bad draws. Um, so he comes in as the, uh, the fifth highest on, in that formula. And, and again, I think that kind of validates 
you can look at the points, you know, the standings after one one national, but I, I forgot what what standing he was in. Probably, you know, it was definitely the bottom half. Um, that that doesn't tell you as much as what these statistical rankings do. You know, the, yeah. right now the stats tell you more than what the standings do. Yeah, I said I said in my preview that Cody Henderson in just those two games, he threw a 10.16 PPR, the two games that he lost to go 0-2. That right. would have been good enough for ninth statistically in Correct. PPR yeah. throughout the entire tournament. Yeah. So, so you know, I, I don't think it's time to, to bury Cody Henderson. He had a bad draw out of the gate. He still threw really well. But if you shake everything up, reset it, which we do, brackets are all redrawn. It's a fresh start in Atlantic City. If he throws the same way he threw in Atlantic, uh, he threw in Vegas and Atlantic City, he's a threat to win the whole thing, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One thing I want to I want to throw a little wrench in, and not a wrench. I want to I want to give you something to ponder. Sure yeah, your formula, your formula is two times PPR plus DPR. Okay. Yeah. What is DPR? So DPR is my PPR minus your PPR. So in essence, if you actually build that out into an equation, it's already it's it's three times your PPR yes. minus your opponent's PPR. So that's if you actually Ooh, getting into algebra, Trey. Let's go. Oh yeah, we're getting into algebra now. <laughs> I mean, too early for that for me. Three <laughs> times your PPR minus your opponent's PPR is essentially what the the equation that you have created. Yes. So. I don't I, have any analysis. I'm just I, telling you that that's what you created. I want to think about it a little bit more. Yeah. I Essentially, do, I, you removed DPR from the equation, and it's all PPRs across the board. Correct, so correct, because that's all DPR is, right? Yeah. I mean, all DPR is, is is a subtraction of you and my, if we go PPR, head-to-head. So really, it's – I can even break it down even more, and you can start getting a point scored and points against and eliminate yeah. the round convert. Like, there's so many different things and, and ways all you can right. look at it. The, we've talked before about the points against um, thing. I think that's going to be the next great stat when we when we actually dig into it. I think that's going to bring a lot to the table. But yeah. for right now, I have taken in the past over the last year, I've taken this formula and I've debated between just a raw add PPR, add DPR, just add the two. And then I've debated with multiplying the PPR by two. I've multi I've, you know, Messed with messing around with uh, multiplying the DPR by two. And to be perfectly honest with you, what I found was multiplying the PPR by two more closely aligned with individual tournament stats than the other ways. Not dramatically, not dramatically, but they, they were all really kind of close and similar. But this method was the closest to what the actual results of each tournament bracket was. So, but it's a lot of fun to look at. And it's also an easy way. And even if you drop the multiply PPR by two, if you just drop that for the moment, because it's so similar to just adding the two numbers, you can really quickly, when you're looking at a tournament bracket results, tournament stats, just really quickly in your head, look at your PPR and look at your DPR and add them up and, and see who the best performers were. Because sometimes right. you're going to have a great DPR and just a, a, a pretty decent, you know, reverse side. All right, I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna give you a homework assignment, Mike. Right, you ready? All right, I'm ready. 
I, well, the next step of things I want to start looking at is what if opponent PPR is now a fraction of what if we treat opponent PPR as, as a divisor rather than a, a subtraction? Meaning, what if my opponent PPR is 9.9 9 and I'm a 9.1? What is 9 divided by 9.1, right? And working on developing some type of way to look at how people rank based on that, more of a percentage rather than a straight subtraction. Because I would argue that as you get higher, you know, your percentage, it varies a little bit. Whatever your base number is, right? If I'm yeah. a little off from 10, that's a difference in being a little bit off from seven. So that's, I might be a little bit confusing with how I'm wording that, but that's, no, that's the I, next thing I want to look at. I, I, I kind of understand where you're going. Um, and maybe a sort of a similar vein, I, I've been messing around with some, some various formulas that take into account the number of rounds thrown for each player too. So if you're carrying a 10.25 PPR, but you've only thrown 62 frames um, versus someone who's thrown 228 frames, who's carrying a 10.25 in my rating system, the, the guy that's thrown three or four times as many frames should be rated higher. Yeah. So mm-hmm. um, I've got, I've got some formulas where I add up all the pros, all the number of rounds that have been thrown, come up with the average number. And then if you've thrown more than the average frame or less, you know, more than the average player or less than the average player, you get a different multiplier um, associated with your ranking. So I'm still kind of tweaking on some of those. um, But right now, just looking at these simple things, Um, you you guys got any players that you think should be near the top statistically that you're curious about? Besides, Uh, I did. I did. I did. Not as a favorite. I also did like a stat thing coming off of nationals. Um, I know that the other Cody was high up there. That was a surprising Cody Johnson Johnson is sixth. He's the next one up on the list. Yes. He's sitting there at 3.122. One of the PDC players surprised me too. I want to say it was one of the Gores. Jack Gore is in eighth. After, after Cody Johnson, I got Alex Rawls, then Jack Gore, Tanner Halbert, and then Doug Zaff. So those are the top 10 statistically. So again, if I was Vegas, I'd be basing this more on the actual stats versus the, the points at this point, because the stats influenced how you got that, that finish. Yeah. So, you know, as we, as we accumulate tournaments, I, w- I would feel differently about that. But right now with just one finish, I think we go by stats. Well, Mike, I think you use the term fun a little fast and loose here, considering it's a lot of math and a lot of algebra and things, but, you know, to each their own. Uh, we appreciate you coming on and sharing that with us. We're going to switch over to news around the league. So thanks for coming on. All right. Thanks, see y'all next week. I got my. Oh, we cut <laughs> right. him off. I mean, <laughs> you're done. <laughs> yeah. Cut him right. off. He's gone. <laughs> we have an exciting <laughs> announcement. Um, I'm sure you've heard of Spencer McKenzie's. Uh, it's the Throwdown Tournament, August 25th through 28th. It's the world's largest cornhole tournament, and it's now going to add the ACL Pro Shootout TV broadcast and bring the total prize money award on the weekend to over $300,000. Registration opens Tuesday, March 15th. It sells out fast. Um, I am excited. I didn't go last 
year and I've never had so much FOMO my entire life, especially because I live in California. We had previous plans. I will not miss it this year, but um, what do you guys think about this? Yeah, excited, excited. Um, it's a really big stepping stone for, for the ACL to be a part of it. And uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, there's a lot of questions. Anthony said he's got a lot of questions. So Anthony's got questions for me. So that's what I'm going to leave time for. Not alone cool. in your questions, I'm sure. Go ahead, Anthony. <laughs> yeah, just some things that came to my mind and actually just kind of hearing murmurs between players uh, on media and, and just locally. Uh, so I'll just kind of be one of those for this. So one of the questions is definitely around the bags. And in the past, Spencer McKenzie's always been right. Everybody plays with the same style bag across the board. I understand that format's going to change a little bit, which would allow different types of bags. If you could elaborate on that one, Trey. Yeah. So in conversations with John, so John owns Spencer McKenzie's, it was actually not an ACL driven decision. I know a lot of people make that assumption because we are a bring your own bag league, but um, he came to us and essentially said, Hey, I've been hearing feedback for years and years and years that people just, they don't even care about the bag. They just want to be able to break it in ahead of time. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I, he said, I want to open it up to a select few manufacturers because there's a lot of manufacturers that have supported me, all Cornhole, but others, you know, Fire Cornhole and others have really wanted to get involved. So he said, I want to open it up to a certain number of manufacturers. They can only have a certain number of series and allow people to buy bags ahead of time. And people can buy bags ahead of time, break them in. They have to be on the Spencer McKenzie's list. Um, and, and if they buy them ahead of time, they can bring them to the event and use them and break them in. Um, if you don't want to buy bags, you don't have to, you can, you can, um, reserve some at the event yourself, go up to the table and get some, um, and they'll charge you for the full set if you run off of them. So, um, <laughs> so yeah. Um, also a big, you know, a lot of emphasis around payout structure. So with the ACL coming in, running the tournament, what's going to change there? Is the payout structure going to change or stay the same? identical no change we're actually not involved we're really just being hired to run the tournament so we're not um, changing any of the formats we're not doing anything different um, we might mix up how things are done on friday because we're going to kind of run our shootout on thursday and friday so but other than that um, no change to the payouts no change to the tournament going to be exactly as if we were there or not there all right. So one more, since you talked about running the tournament, like if I'm coming, I've been, I haven't been myself either, so I can't compare it to anything, but I've been there, let's say multiple years in a row. Now I'm coming in and the ACL is running it. What would I see differently on the way that it's going to be run uh, from a tournament director perspective? Not a, not a ton different, I guess. Uh, we're hoping that it just makes it a little bit easier, right? I mean, this year, um, when you register, you'll provide a phone number that connects you to the ACL system. So you're just going to get a text message when you're, when you're up on the court. And you'll show up to the court, and there'll be tablets this year. So, you know, we'll, we'll keep things very basic. People freaking out about bag tracker and stuff like that. You know, it'll be, it'll be basic scoring. You walk up, you get a text message, report to a court. And, and you just use the tablet to keep the score and submit it. So really, it's just going to make things a little bit more seamless. You'll, you know, you'll get notifications when you when you're time to go up. But for the most part, not going to be a whole lot different. Everybody's going to have pool play followed by the final bracket. So um, trying to keep the the same integrity of the tournament that there's there's been in the past. You'll still register and pay through the same Spencer McKenzie system that they've been using in the past. And uh, checks. You know, uh, you get your paper checks and your big checks if you win the whole thing. So to keep nice. the same integrity for the for, for the tournament. Bonus question. Sorry, will there be a TV broadcast? I know a lot of people are interested in that one. Oh yeah, so that's that's the good thing. So initially, we want to bring a shootout out there. That's that's the easiest, quick thing to do. Is boom, ACL Pro Shootout number eight. 
or but we want to expand that too. John has said he wants ESPN there covering Spencer McKenzie's. Now it's not currently on our on our list, and, and we, we're going to put the ask out there and have talks with ESPN to see if we can get out there this year. That'd be great if we can. But ultimately, the ultimate vision, and and, and that was the big thing for John, is, is vision. I want to see down the road. I want to know what Spencer's is going to be like you know, two, three years down the road from now. And so ultimately, he has said he wants ESPN out there, and he wants some of his players to compete in this tournament for a chance to get on TV. And so that's the ultimate goal. And so that's that's what we'll be working for in uh, through this year, through 2023 and beyond. Right on. You done, man. You got you got more, Anthony. You good? No, no. I know we're behind time, but I think that was a good conversation. Thank you. No, I mean those yeah. are the questions on people's minds. It's important to talk about. I know the bags was a big conversation, so uh, I think all all really helpful um, and exciting. Uh, real quick, we had the Delaware State Championship, and we had the Bag and Bass Bag and Bash by West Georgia Cornhole. Um, in advanced singles for the Delaware, we had Derek Graham in second, Jeff Corgan advanced doubles. Dave Pard, Rich Simpler took first. Chris Evans and Tony St. Bernard took second. For the bag and bash, we had Josh Holland and Derek Holland take first. Alex Rawls and Matthew Sorrells take second. And Jamie Graham and Jacob Gord take third. All right, we're moving into a new segment called Board Bets. We're going to talk a little bit about the lines coming into Cornhole Mania. We only have a few minutes here to go through, so we'll just talk big picture thoughts. I was looking at what you sent us, Trey, um, in terms of what we can choose from. And the one that stood out the most to me was... Mark Richards plus 4,000. I'm putting all my money on that all day long. Um, I feel yeah. very confident in that decision. Uh, I don't need to look at anything else. There it is. That's where my money's going. Good um, I don't know about you, sure. Anthony. Yeah, no good <laughs> yeah. Sticking out for me, maybe the head-to-head. I did. I, I probably wouldn't touch the head-to-heads too much because as we know, it could go either way. It really just comes down to the odd. I like the even money odds on the doubles match. Malone Johnson versus Birchfield Rawls. Um, Birchfield Rawls getting even money on that one, Malone or a minus 140. That one stuck out to me on the head to head. What do you think, Trey? Yeah, yeah. There's there's a couple, there's a couple teams in there. I mean, and even some players that didn't do as well in the first national that are still plus like seven seventy five hundred things like that. I saw Tony Smith on there, still really great value. Eric Davis, um, some other good names. I really think where people are gonna have a chance is. You know, look in that plus seven thousand range, plus yeah. six thousand range. I mean, there's some, there's gonna be some teams that can be a Kyle Malone and Cody Johnson because that's really where they were at the first event, right? There's gonna be a team that can kind of upward trajectory all the way to the finals there, and, and really looking at the brackets, I think is gonna be the key. Yeah, there was two juicy ones in there: Foreman and Creek Killer. Yes, that was one. it. I, for, yeah, <laughs> Eight, ten bucks you win eight hundred, and Richards Lopez ninety to one. Yeah, that yeah, was- no, no, those are the. I thought uh, four and a creek killer was the one I was looking at too. That was, but in fairness, they didn't perform at the first national, so right. right. I mean, that's you're kind of going by how they performed in the past, so it's just it's just a little bit different. You got to put up or shut up. Oh, well, I'm putting up putting up money on Mark Richards, no matter where he is, so we're good there. <laughs> that's an easy decision. All right, let's talk about our singles brackets for Cornhole Mania. Um, I'm going to start with you, Anthony. Give me your thoughts on bracket A. Bracket A. Uh, so let's remember Nationals number one was unseated to start the season. So we ended up with what Trey was calling those death brackets. And we had quadrants where some of the elite baggers were forced 0-2 regardless. There was no way around it. So and we're kind of seeing it in some of these showings. Check out some of these seeds. And remember, 
Each bracket has a max 64 seed. So that's where you're going to max out. Johnny Cox at the 43 seed. Connie Altice, a 48th seed. Jimmy McGuffin at 49. Um, so some notable matches off of that. Michael Lucas Jr. is not going to get a warm-up match in round one. Instead, he's going to have his handful with uh, Connie Altice in that first game. Sorry, Todd Bridgman. You're going to get Jimmy McGuffin round one. Um, Jimmy, a strong favorite there and could most likely take that 17 seed if Todd doesn't come in with some good stuff. Um, a good battle out of the West. Nick Williams, who had a strong singles performance, is rewarded with Tegan Owens. Uh, that'll be a good hard-fought battle there. But if we kind of zoom out looking at the whole bracket, who's going to stop Matt Guy on the left side? I mean, there's nothing glaringly obvious to me. I think the best shot is going to be the highest seed in that bottom left quadrant in a Jimmy Humans to challenge Guy for the left side. If we kind of move to the right, um, nothing really strong favorite-wise. I mean, Duncan Clemmer will be tough if he does what he did at Natty 1. Right side bottom looks tougher than the top. You got Holland, Almanza, and Spees down there. Mish, I think the bracket final is going to be a repeat of the King seat match, a national, match at Nationals number one. Really unlucky for Holland to end up in guys' bracket two times in a row. But keep in mind, Holland gave him a run. It was an 11 plus PPR battle versus Guy for that King seat. He ended up losing 21 to 20. I say we get Guy and Holland as a final in bracket A. That's a tough bracket. That's not the bracket I'd want to be in by any means. <laughs> but <laughs> I don't know. I didn't look at all of them yet. I don't know if they're pretty even. But we'll move to bracket B. Uh, Trey, what do you think about bracket B? Yeah, so this is Zaf's bracket, right? So he's the two seed. So, I mean, he's he, you know he's earned that, that place to be a favorite. I'll say this much. If you are Cody Henderson and you had a really tough draw in that first yeah. national – you have the bracket you want right now. You have to play well, but your number two seat, your number one seat in your bracket is a Doug Zaft. Yeah. That if you play like you normally do, and Doug Zaft plays like he played all other nationals except the last one, then Cody Henderson should be favored to take down that quadrant. And then if you take down that quadrant, you have the number one seed path all the way through the rest of the tournament. So I think Cody Henderson caught a little bit of a break here. Now, the issue is also on that left side, you have Devin Harbaugh and you have Ryan Windsor. So those are going to be two of your big name players that are going to challenge you for that. And so I, I especially look out for Harbaugh. If it's not Henderson or Zaft, I think Harbaugh may take that entire left side. On the other side, it seems like a two-horse race to me. It seems like a Jordan Power, Jay Rubin. Yes, you yeah. could sprinkle some other names in there, but the partners feel like they're going to end up going head-to-head. -head. I think you end up with power on the right side, and you know what? I'll do it. I'll jump on on the limb. I'll say Cody Henderson maybe makes it all the way to the left side of his bracket Ooh. and makes it through that side. So Love it. There you go. I'm jumping the on the limb there, but before, I'll take yeah, it. Before the hot take section again, just like last week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that sounds good. Uh, what about moving on to bracket C? Anthony, what are your thoughts there? Uh, before that, just a quick comment on your B comment on the right side. I think the power Ruben thing, that's exactly what I was going to go with. And the key is going to be uh, power's kind of, I'd say, limping into this one, right? He's kind of had a bunch of runs of events where he didn't do as well as he wanted to. But I think he's a big game player. I think he's going to show up. And then Ruben, 
really battling through that injury right now, and he's he's starting a diagnosis process. If he's pain-free in the back, I think he'll make the run that you were mentioning, and I kind of had the same pick. So bracket C, left side, upper quadrant. I mean, Mark Richards it's is really set for another deep run. There's some talent up there in that quadrant, but certainly his to lose. Um, it was just an overall crazy story. I mean, his upturn in this, the dude picks up bags for the first time three years ago after watching YouTube videos. He plays in his first ACL events last season. That's the first time he's played in the ACL. And then he comes in here just stomping people. Uh, so I think Richards is a really crazy story and really his in that left side. I think, I think the bottom left, it's a good time to heart for Harvey to return. Uh, Washington could do some damage down in there. And Ryan Smith, I mean, his 2022 breakout performance could be right now. That bottom yeah. left is really open to those three. Looking at that right side, uh, that top quadrant is, is really packed with a bunch of elite, dirty style, you know, players. You got Batson, Grindersleeve, and Tony Smith. I would love to see some carpet style play deep in one of these brackets, uh, but they're going to have to go through Tanner Halbert up there. Bottom quadrant, it's all about who's going to stop Matthew Cree Killer. I mean, is it going to be Tyler Parent who repeats that performance? Is John Fuentes going to finally get his notable breakout performance? Maybe a Bill Hadley who's typically known for more of his doubles play, but Matthew Creekiller in that bottom corner. Mish, a bracket final. I like Mark Richards versus Halbert or Creekiller out of the right side. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. All right, moving on to bracket D. Trey, what do you think? All right, I think it's kind of deja vu what I just talked about. Top left, you have your number one seed as Dylan Turpin, okay? Look for another player that didn't have as successful as a tournament that we predicted that they would, Cheyenne Renner, okay? Mm -hmm. So Cheyenne Renner looks like more than likely has to play Dylan Turpin in their quadrant, okay? If Renner can get that win, now she's sitting and has the number one seed path Takes in her seed, bracket. Yeah. If Dylan Turpin throws like he's thrown at every other national except the last one, then Renner should be the favorite. But again, it's an opportunity for both Turpin and Zaft back in bracket B to say, no, I am here. I am the one seed. This is my bracket. So they're going to have an opportunity just within their quadrant to have another statement win against one of the all-time greats, depending on if you're talking about Cody Henderson or Cheyenne Renner. Now into the bottom left, really it just feels like Jamie Grams to win um, or yeah. Jamie Grams to lose, I should say. I think a lot of people are going to end up with a Renner and Graham in the semifinal if Turpin is not able to defend that number one seed. Jumping over to the right-hand side, I kind of look through my entire right side of the bracket. Ultimately, I think it's a three-horse race. I think it's Alex Rawls. I think it's Trey Birchfield. And I think it's Alex Hicks. Those three are the big superpowers on that right side of the bracket. Uh, ultimately, you know, it's it it just feels like right now, uh, who's going to beat Alex Hicks? That's, that's what it feels like to me right now. I mean, so ultimately, uh, we're going to get a great look. Now, the thing for Alex Hicks is, He's not going to be playing against any super dirty style players as I went through all of those names. Renner, Graham, Rawls, Birchfield, a lot of bag-for-bag bag type players. So the question for me is, do, do we get Hicks in a position where he starts intentionally playing a dirty style game? Or does he try to adapt to more of a bag-for-bag bag type of style and try to outplay some of these people? I think the key is, 
Hicks, if he's going to win this bracket, which I have him actually winning, I think he's going to have to force a dirty style of game and he's going to have to be elite at it. I think if he tries to go bag for bag between Birchfield, Rawls, Renner, or Graham, someone is going to get him, depending on who's having the hot day. I like it. I mean, he did get Matt Guy that way. <laughs> it's yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, there were sections where, you know, people forget in that tournament, they're like, okay, Alex Hicks beat Matt Guy by playing a dirty style game. Eh, hold up. That entire game, he did not. There were right. stretches no, where I, they both. I meant it bag for bag. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think he right, right. bag for bag. I, I was going to say, there was times in that game where Hicks had to do both. And that was what was so yeah. impressive to me about the win was that he did both. He can um, do both. He can, he can do, do both. both. Yeah. I th- what I'm saying but, is I think in his bracket at this national, he has to rely on the dirty style. My whole point was he went bag for bag with Matt Guy and won. So that's pretty good, yes. you know, testament going forward. Yes. But yes, yes, I think that that's a fair assessment. All right. Moving into our holy hot takes to wrap it up. Uh, Anthony, I'm going to go with your hot take first. Cool. I, I got a Jimmy Humans hot take. Um, Nationals number two in Atlantic City. I think Jimmy Humans runs the full length of the left side of the bracket. And he's going to battle Matt Guy for that spot in the king seat. I think Jimmy Humans is a good matchup to beat a Matt Guy because he can put that level one block down, and that's what he's going to have to do. Guy's going to have to be on his get his airmail game to get the king seat. But I see Jimmy Humans left side fighting for the king seat. Let's go. What do you mean fighting for the king seat? Hey, Say, it's Matt Guy. The trainer, if, it wasn't for, if it wasn't for Matt Guy, I'd give him the left yeah. side. He doesn't want to fully commit to the hot. He thing. doesn't. He doesn't want to do it. Can't do it. We're not even going to call that hot. <laughs> that, was, that was lukewarm. All right, I got lukewarm. one. All right, I got. I'll go spicy since Anthony. Go right. spicy. Let's okay. go. Who limped into the first national with second place after second place after second place? And really, is that really limping if you're coming in second, second, second? None other than Matt Guy, who has limped over the course of the past three or four months with third place after second place after third place after fourth place, Jordan Power wins singles at the 2022 ACL Cornhole Mania. Yeah, let's go. That is spicy hot. That is spicy hot, especially because I gave a hot take a few weeks ago that Matt Guy was going to take them all. Yeah, that's true. My hot take versus your hot take. Um, but no, my hot take is about Emily Downer. I think she's you're going to see her on the pro circuit if she wants to be for uh, the you know this next season. I think she's going to be a beast out there and someone to watch out for. So um, I was impressed. That's all we have for this week. We'll see you guys over in Atlantic City and then on our next week's episode to talk about it all. Thanks for joining us. Peace.